Entrepreneur on Fire, episode 179. Welcome to EntrepreneurOnFire.com, where remarkable entrepreneurs share their inspiring story. Let their journey illuminate your path to success. And now, your host, John Dumas. Fire Nation, let's give it up for our sponsor today, Squarespace the go-to drag-and-drop site platform that lets you build a personal or business website that looks professional. Head over to squarespace.com slash onfire to start a free trial and use the offer code onfire for a 10% discount. Squarespace, everything you need to create an exceptional website. Okay, Fire Nation, let's get started. I am simply thrilled to introduce my guest today, Greg Ciotti. Greg, are you prepared to ignite? Absolutely. (laughs) All right. Greg is the founder of Sparring Mind and the marketing strategist at HelpScout, the invisible email support software for startups and small businesses. Given Fire Nation just a little overview, Greg, but why don't you take a minute, tell us about you personally, we want to get to know you, and then tell us about your business. Definitely. So, my background and you know my site sparring mine is all about behavioral psychology so i kind of got my start as an undergrad uh, i was more in the developmental psych i was actually a research assistant uh, and i kind of got more interested in the practical side of things less you know away from medication and more into applying it to like marketing and entrepreneurship and things like that so sparring mine is definitely it was like an outlet for me to take all of this research that i had been reading uh, and applying it, you know, to more practical standpoints. Um, I also work with uh, software startups uh, exclusively. I'm kind of really big into software. I'm learning a lot about product. Uh, I feel like I have, <laughs> hopefully I have marketing down because that's what I do. But uh, I really, um, I'm learning a lot from the product standpoint and I do a lot of consulting uh, and stuff with software startups on content strategy. So that's me. Nice. Well, are you a fan of Derek Halpern and Social Triggers? Yes. Yeah, he does a lot of cool stuff in that area. Has a podcast, an incredible blog where he really does just that. He really kind of delves into the psychological aspect of marketing. Incredibly interesting stuff. But we don't want to delve too far into that, Greg. We're really focused on you and your journey. So let's move into the first topic, which is a success quote, because we love getting that motivational ball rolling at Fire Nation. And I know you have a great success quote for us, so take it away. I have an interesting one for you. I think people are going to like this. It's it's not what you would you know initially think is a success quote, but I love it. So it comes from Mike Tyson, actually. And the quote is, everybody has a plan until they get punched in the mouth. <laughs> <laughs> now, you might think, you know, how, that almost sounds like a defeat quote, right? Well, the, the thing that I kind of take away from this quote and what I love about it is that you know, he's kind of saying in, in his own Mike Tyson way, the importance of not losing like focus and uh, motivation when things go wrong, right? So I feel like we always start out with a lot of projects with these perfect plans. Um, and then we kind of succumb. Actually, there's a, there's a psychological effect called the what the hell effect, which is where when things go wrong, like we, as soon as something starts to slip away from our plan, we like to abandon ship. Anybody who's been on a strict diet knows what that's like. You break your diet for the day. And then you just give up, right? Um, so that quote from Mike Tyson has kind of been important for me because I feel like nothing ever goes perfectly to plan. Uh, and you'll definitely hit roadblocks and stuff like that. And you kind of just have to roll with the punches to throw in another metaphor there. 
but uh, you definitely have to kind of get back on your feet after you get quote unquote punched in the mouth. So that's why <laughs> that's why I love that quote. Now, it, it really rings true with me too, Greg, because being a military officer, one of the things that we said was even the greatest plans go awry when the first bullet flies. And it was so true. And during my deployment to Iraq, I mean, you know, you spend all this time setting up these perfect procedures and these perfect operations to move in and do whatever you needed to do. But as soon as that first bomb dropped, or that first bullet flew, then everything just kind of went out the window and you just reacted. So, I mean, that's definitely in the same area. And I really want you to take it down to the ground level and share with us how you've actually applied this in your life. How have you gotten figuratively punched in the face and how'd you react to it? <laughs> yeah. So one of, you know, I would say one of the things that I struggle with the most, especially in the beginning, less now, especially in the beginning, though, was the technical side of things. So, you know, shifting kind of my focus to stuff online, um, you know, like I said, now I'm a lot better because I've worked with product people and dev people. Um, but man, I, I'll tell you one example. For instance, uh, I had a huge feature. It was like the first time I've ever been on, on Lightpacker. And it, the article ended up getting like something like 200,000 views, which obviously, yeah, obviously sent me a, a ton of stuff. But about, you know, an hour into it being uh, live, my site just got, you know, torn to shreds. And that technical, I, I was sitting there pulling my hair out. I mean, I had everything going wrong at once. Uh, it wasn't just my host, so I can't just blame them. It was other things in the back that I kind of just let sit. Um, you know, I was just really upset about that. And I kind of just was like, you know, I need to nail down this technical stuff. Um, you know, I thought everything was going to plan when it went live. And I was like, oh, I'm going to capture all these, you know, new readers and stuff like that. Um, and then I got punched in the mouth kind of metaphorically with all the technical stuff going down at once. So I kind of resolved to, uh, you know, never let that kind of thing happen again. And I kind, of, I kind of got into the more technical side to make sure things were up and running smoothly <laughs> at all times. <laughs> oh, man, I love that. And, and who do you now use for a host? Uh, for my personal side, I use WP Engine. I'm up in like one of the top tier plans, but it's definitely worth the price. Oh, I love those guys. I actually just made the switch over to them as well. Mm -hmm. Greg, that is just a great example of how you got punched in the face. And I really want mm -hmm. you to focus on continuing to use real life personal examples like that as we continue on, because that's what Fire Nation really relates to. That's what people and our listeners love to hear is real world examples so they can see that people like yourself, you know, have struggled and have gone through pains and, and obstacles and continue to on a daily basis. And it's a perfect lead into our next topic which is failure because you know as well as anybody else that entrepreneurs fail every single right. day on certain levels. We're failing. We're coming up against these challenges that are making us, as you put it, pull our hair out literally and figuratively. So Greg, share with us a time that you really failed when you just fell flat in your face, when you were in despair or this challenge or obstacle that you were facing was so enormous that you just had to dig deep to overcome. And how'd you overcome that? I'll tell you what, it, it was more of a string, like I said, of early on, more more so than one uh, absolute moment. Uh, it was I was definitely having a hard time finding a great like topic to get into to kind of find my, as Brian Clark would call it, the minimum viable audience, right? So I, I was really struggling with setting things up uh, in just terms of what topic to pursue, like what and what was I passionate about, and I kind of didn't think that the things that I had, you know, really had a passion for reading about, like psychology really had a, a great application like online. It kind of took me a while to get that down. So my my failure kind of that I had to keep coming back was, 
It was a couple of uh, lighter punches. We'll call it a bunch of jabs. <laughs> I like that, this theme. Let's stick with right, it. Right, right. And that I, I, I kind of like had a bunch of sites early on that, um, you know, they just weren't working out. And the one thing that I definitely took away from it, uh, and I feel like this is something that applies to really everybody listening, is that the entertainment side, which is the side I try to get into, is really hard to do and not as rewarding as you might think. You don't really get to build... Um, like a, a really great readership that interacts with you personally, like you do from the more practical side. So for, for instance, Entrepreneur on Fire, there's a lot of takeaways and things like that, things that you can actually apply into the things that you're doing. Uh, I was trying to do the whole entertainment thing. I was chasing page views and ad clicks and things like that. And not only is it, you know, I feel like much harder to do, you kind of have to get into really uh, seedy topics and goofy topics to really like cat pictures and things like that to kind of succeed in that area. But it's also not, um, it's not very rewarding. It's not very rewarding to the soul at all. It's kind of all shallow. Uh, and I was glad to kind of get into a more uh, topic with depth and a topic that kind of helps people and gives me readers that actually keep coming back. I love that on so many levels. I just have so many things going through my mind right now. I'll try to get them all out. But one of them is that is exactly what Derek Halpern went through with social triggers, chasing the clicks, chasing the page views, and was really going forward with that mm -hmm. and realized that he wanted to get into something different. And for you, Greg, you decided you wanted to be more relevant on certain levels. And that's really where I wanted when I launched Entrepreneur on Fire. And just a couple episodes ago, somebody asked me the question, like, John, how do you define happiness? And I didn't come up with this, but I do believe that this is how I define happiness, and that's the gradual realization of a worthy goal. And to me, the key word here is worthy. And although you may have been successful on a lot of levels, you yourself weren't really viewing it as a worthy endeavor, as a worthy goal where you were giving back. So was right. that an issue for you? Yeah, definitely. It was, like I said, uh, I, I had talked to Derek briefly. He was kind of in like the celebrity gossip, but I was, I was telling him, I was like, I can only imagine how bad that was. I was at least in topics that, you know, I don't think we're as soul-crushingly boring as that for, for guys like us. But <laughs> I, it definitely, I definitely was. I, I feel like a lot of people start in that space, too, because, um, you know, it's hard to grasp the concept that people will actually buy information from you as long as it's good enough, especially when you're starting out. You think you almost have to do the advertising stuff. And now that I've, you know, been exclusively with software people, you know, I know that's definitely the opposite. People will pay for great products and you can still do the whole audience building thing to get that going. But yeah, in the beginning, it was, it was, uh, it didn't feel like anything was really getting done. I mean, you may see money come into your bank account, but when it's like, you know, when you're, when you're hating what you're doing, it just isn't worth it. Such great insights, Greg. And one thing I want to talk about before we move forward is you'd mentioned minimally viable audience by Brian Clark. And to be honest with you, even myself, I haven't heard much about this topic, and I'd love you to expound slightly on this. Sure. So if you are a fan of the lean startup movement, um, you know, they preach the minimum viable product, essentially putting something out there, uh, not kind of waiting till everything's perfect. And Brian Clark kind of switched it up. Obviously, he's big onto content marketing and the whole copy blogger brand, which we love. Um, but the minimum viable audience is kind of, it's almost like shadow testing. Uh, where you're kind of testing to see if, if the business has legs by building the audience first before you actually get into, you know, all these different product details and things like that. Um, and a lot of the software places that I work with, you know, this is like, this is a key element. And it was a key element for me with Sparring Mind to see if, you know, is this topic going to really be worthy of creating a product around? 
because if you can't get to like, you know, there's no arbitrary number that defines your minimal viable audience. I can't sit here and say at 3000 email leads or, or, you know, a 10,000 person newsletter that you're there. Um, but there's definitely kind of, you can definitely feel out whether or not a topic, uh, a product or, you know, a marketplace is kind of ready for what you're trying to do by building the audience first before you build the business around it. What would be a quick tactic that you could use to actually see if there was an audience to see if you had that minimally viable audience? So one of the, I mean, one of the best ways for me and one of the ways that, I mean, I always start with this with, if I have to start something, I always start with this is that you look at the competition um, and you have to look closely at like kind of like, you don't want to look at people doing the exact same thing as you, but you need to look at your industry really closely because that kind of shows how healthy the marketplace is. Uh, but it also gives you an opportunity to find out how you can be different. Uh, I know uh, that's a really important factor, kind of like to look at what's already out there. So for me, you know, when we're talking about audience building and like online and stuff like that, I'm less concerned with like, you know, Facebook pages and the size of people in the in the industry with how their Twitter following. I'm really looking at like the blog size. Like, you know, the content marketing is kind of hot right now and you see copy blogger has 180,000. It's worth a while. It's, you know, something worth pursuing. Um, you look at other topics and you can kind of see, well, can they build an audience around it? And if they can, then you're kind of, you know, you're already off to a great start. No, those are great insights as well, because I get emails all the time from people who are like, John, I had this great idea and then I did some research on it. Somebody's doing the exact same thing or something very similar that I wanted to do. And so now I have to come up with a whole different idea. And I was like, well, wait a second here. I mean, Competition is not always a bad thing because if there's other people doing your idea, what you're thinking about doing, it means that it's a viable business, that that's actually validating that niche that you're looking to get into. What are your thoughts on that? One of the terms that I love for this, uh, I'm, I'm probably going to butcher the poor girl's name, but Heineke, so she's, she's a marketer and she, she actually wrote this article on John Morrow's site. Um, and it was talking about being the best asparagus restaurant in town. And I love that <laughs> metaphor. Yeah, I love that metaphor. So the idea is that people get so caught up uh, in this original idea uh, that they want to be the best asparagus restaurant in town, right? And even if you succeed in that, um, you're not necessarily building something that people want. So you can own the best asparagus restaurant in town and you're probably getting outsold by the mediocre pizza joints down the street right? <laughs> because people want pizza. Love pizza. They, don't, they don't want asparagus, right? So that's, that's kind of the thing that I feel like um, you know, that's one of the problems people have. And I, I definitely had the beginning. I was so concerned with this original idea that I forgot, you know, it's, it's good to have competition. It's actually good to be drowning in competition because then you know that it's, it's a really hot industry to be in. Love that. And let's use that to transition to our next topic, which is the aha moment, Greg. Just like we fail every day as entrepreneurs, we always have these aha moments on certain levels every single day as well. Take us back to a time when you just really had that big aha moment, when a light bulb went off, the clouds parted, the sun just shined through, and you said, wow, this is going to resonate with my authentic self, with my target market, with my audience. And then how did you turn that into success? I got to say that my aha moment, there's a lot of great uh, individual examples. I would say it's not, it's not the most exciting thing uh, from a broad sense, but it, my aha moment was definitely the power of collaborations and networking. That was the thing that kind of like really changed everything for me. Because when you get online, you know, 
there's this there's this real goal of being self-sufficient and kind of doing everything yourself, right? And then you realize that, you know, with people who already have audiences, it's great to get in front of them. Um, and I kind of, it kind of just dawned to me that I need to be better at, you know, reaching out to people doing awesome stuff and kind of getting on their radar. Uh, so one of the, like I said, that example, that aha moment kind of boring, but the examples I think are kind of exciting, at least for me. So one, one that uh, kind of spawned from that right away was I've done something I don't think I've ever seen any other uh, content person do pretty much ever. I'm trying to think of it. Um, so um, I teamed up with this big YouTube channel, uh, ASAP Science. So they released these educational videos on kind of like all different brainy topics, right? And they have about a half, half a million uh, subscribers, so 500,000 subscribers on YouTube. So I told them, I was like, I really want to get into video, but I can't animate. <laughs> and you guys animate, you know, you do awesome stuff. But I know that the, I know that the uh, lead person on that took a lot of time to research those kind of topics, right? So I emailed him and I said, "Hey, you know, let's collaborate on the video. You upload it. You keep all the ad revenue. Uh, you actually own everything about the video. All I'll do is I will write all the research that you need for the video, and you just link to an article that I'm going to write about the topic, right? So it, it seems like I'm getting." <laughs> the real crappy end of the deal there, right? Because I'm doing all the work and they're keeping everything from the video. Well, I have to I have to tell you about the results. I haven't really revealed these results anywhere else, but I ended up publishing that and it's on my site right now. It's the top article, um, The Science of Productivity. So that video over a span of 30 days sent me an extra 8,000 email leads, okay? So one month, 8,000 leads. Yeah, I know. So I, I kind of it was like the defining moment of like, wow, if I had just published this article myself and not reached out and done these more like interesting collaborations, these kind of like unusual collaborations, right? Because you'll see bloggers and stuff like that collaborating all the time. But how often do you see somebody reach out to a YouTube channel and say, hey, can we mutually support each other in some way? Um, and that was like, that was one of those aha moments that, you know, really kind of changed the pace of, of everything that I was doing. That's incredible. How did you actually decide on ASOP? Like, what was your strategy in searching for the right YouTube channel, the right YouTube team to approach? I actually, I had came across, originally I had came across this channel called Minute Physics. Um, but I don't, I don't get into that hard science, right? Because like I said, I'm, I'm more about the practical and things that you can apply. And harder science doesn't really have you know, it, it affects our daily lives, but it's not something that where I can teach you about it and you can apply it like today. You can't apply physics today, most of us, right? So I was, I kind of came across them and I started searching through their uh, feature channels, which is something that YouTubers often do. Uh, kind of speaks to the networking power right there because if you go on popular YouTube channels, they always have um, a list of channels on the side that they support. And so it's kind of like a group supporting each other. And that was how I came across uh, ASAP Science. And I noticed that you know, rather than focusing on physics, they actually did some of the more like practical stuff. Like they definitely have a very science-based focus, but they will go into, you know, brainy topics, psychology topics. Uh, and I knew I had found the right channel when I came across them. And I kind of hit them just at the right time um, because they're kind of closing off right now because they're, they're partnering up with Audible. So um, I kind of got in, I made friends with Mitch. He's a great guy, real smart guy, uh, the lead animator. And it was just perfect timing and uh, decent networking on my part. <laughs> Absolutely. I love that for so many reasons. Now, YouTube, you can do so many things. 
during the actual movie itself with annotations and the subscribe here buttons and with links right below and even links embedded in the video itself. Did they allow you to do any of those things that actually drove traffic to your site or was it just all organic from people saying, oh, let's check out this Greg guy after the video was already done? Yeah, so the two things that I requested and that did really, really well, um, and I did this very, you know, it, there was definitely a rhyme to the reason, kind of. I, I asked for a link in the description, uh, only one. I just wanted a link to the article, and it kind of, it's when you go on the video, you can search it, the science of productivity. When you go to the video, I think it just says, you know, read more research about productivity here or something like that, and it links to my article. Uh, but the, the real big kind of winner for me, and I'm so glad I did this, uh, and I, I'm doing it in the next video uh, that I'm collaborating uh, with them, is I, I kind of just at the very end did a call out asking people to sign up for my newsletter for more rather than to visit my site. Right. And Mitch actually animates my form into the video where it shows exactly where you can sign up. Um, and when you look at my analytics, you see all this direct traffic. It's you know, you don't even have to guess where that's coming from. It's coming from the video getting embedded on thousands and thousands of web pages. So, uh, yeah, that was really probably the best tactic that I can recommend is that if you work with someone with a big video audience, you know, make a make a very clear call to action at the end. Don't just tell them to visit your site. You know, show a picture of where your newsletter is at and where they can sign up for it. That's really what helped me. And do you have a giveaway with your newsletter? Currently, I do, Yes. It's like kind of like 50 pages on like 10 of my favorite studies on like persuasion. Uh, I picked persuasion because um, it kind of it kind of crosses all interests. I mean, not everyone is always interested. And in, like I'm, I'm doing another article soon on creativity. It's kind of a very specific piece, you know, in psychology that people will use, but not everybody is really interested in. But I feel like everyone is interested in persuasion. So it's kind of like my 10 favorite studies on persuasion. And I, I got it uh, professionally designed, so it looks great. <laughs> Love it. Greg, thank you for just being so open and generous with these wins and successes that you've had in the past. It's really powerful. And, and it leads me to my next question, which is, have you had an I've made it moment? The I made it moment is kind of tough because I feel like uh, complacency is kind of like your enemy sometimes. Yeah. So uh, I don't think I've had an I made it, I've made it moment. I don't really want to, I don't think I ever really want to have an I made it moment, <laughs> really. That sounds weird to say. Um, I feel like more importantly is kind of being in a place where you're not stressing and I'm definitely way past that. So, uh, I really, you know, I don't know. I don't think I'm looking forward to like, you know, I can stop cause I really kind of feel like it's important to, you know, kind of keep pushing, uh, at least every day, make a little progress every day rather than, uh, sit back on your, <laughs> on your previous accomplishments. <laughs> Are you enjoying the journey? Oh, definitely. If you don't enjoy the journey, it's not worth doing <laughs> Totally agreed. So Greg, we're going to move into your current business right now. We've touched upon a lot of things in the intro. We touched upon some failures you've had, the aha moment. You've been very open and honest with us on some great successes that you're currently experiencing right now. But if you just had to step back and share with Fire Nation one or two things that are really exciting you right now, what are those things? Sure. So, so my business right now, kind of like I said, Sparring Mind is a huge, um, it's kind of the entry point for people who want to uh, like kind of hire me for consulting, which is the main thing I do outside. Um, so I'm really excited on that, on that side to coming up with like my first piece of like premium content. Um, when I'm sitting, I'm sitting at like 
over 30,000 email subscribers and I still haven't put out something and everyone has been asking about it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because people usually launch with a lot less. Right. Um, and I just, I've, like I said, I've just been kind of waiting on that end and I'm really excited to kind of put something out soon. I can't go into too much detail. I wish I could, but I, I'm definitely going to be launching something premium and everyone has been asking, which I'm you know, flattered that people have asked, especially the people on my newsletter who I know are interested in actually buying. Uh, so that is something I will be doing, you know, in the very near future. Um, like I said, the reason that this kind of have, has been delayed, uh, you know, building up past 30,000 email subscribers and not launching yet is that I took an equity deal with Help Scout. It's uh, like I said, it's kind of the startup that I saw with like the most potential, the best team. Um, it's it's funded, it's venture funded, but it, I feel like it's underfunded. So I feel like there's an opportunity for me to take equity in a company that's really going places. I know that's almost like that's almost like reverse entrepreneurship. A lot of times you'll probably have people come on and say, I was with a great team and then I left to do this. Uh, I was kind of already on my own, uh, but when I saw this opportunity with a, a team that you know knew a lot more about product development and churn rates and things like that than I did, uh, you know, I feel like I still feel like it was an entrepreneurial move because entrepreneurs take advantage of opportunities and they always take advantage of things you know that they can learn from. So for me, joining all of the team for like an equity thing was exciting. And I'm really excited for where Help Scout goes this year. We're really growing rapidly. Great stuff. Well, we'll be linking everything up in the show notes that we've been talking about during this interview, the video, your website, Help Scout, Sparring Mind, everything involved. Greg, do you have a vision for the future? I would say I definitely want to have a, a business that's sold. You know, I, I definitely want to kind of get into my own uh, piece of software, my own software venture, where it's maybe just me and another product person. Because as much as I uh, try to code, I don't know if I'll ever be at the point where I can release a product and be proud of it coding-wise. <laughs> I, I learned long ago that I'm definitely better at marketing and the business side of things than I am at coding. <laughs> Although I try. I try my best. But I would say that's like my my long term vision is uh, like I said I, I joined up with a great team and you know we definitely have plans on growing rapidly and doing something great. Um, but you know I would also like to work with somebody very closely on a much smaller team, maybe just me and them, uh, where we kind of do the whole software guy marketing guy combination. I feel like that would be exciting to do. Well, Greg, I am personally looking forward to tracking your progress. Let's take a minute now to thank our sponsor, Squarespace. Fire Nation, every budding entrepreneur needs a stellar website. Don't be intimidated. You don't need to be a pro at building those things. Squarespace has you covered with their drag and drop technology. Let Squarespace help you create the perfect site. Pick one of their gorgeous designs and add your own images, content, and anything you want to sell in an online store. Your site will automatically adapt to fit any device and you can push everything out to your social media accounts as well. Your new Squarespace account will come with award-winning 24-7 support with cloud hosting and real-time analytics. Sign up for a year and get your domain for free. This is great news for bloggers, designers, professionals, and new business owners alike. Support Entrepreneur on Fire by going to squarespace.com slash onfire and start a free trial with no credit card required. When you do decide to buy, enter offer code ONFIRE and get a 10% discount. That's squarespace.com slash ONFIRE. Offer code ONFIRE. 
Squarespace, everything you need to create an exceptional website. So we've now reached my favorite part of the show. We're about to enter the lightning round, and this is where I get to ask you a series of questions, and you come back at us, Fire Nation, with amazing and mind-blowing answers. Sound like a plan? Definitely. (laughs) All right. (laughs) What was holding you back from becoming an entrepreneur? So I, I would say one of the things that I touched on briefly was that idea, that idea stage. Um, I would say that was actually really one of the best, one of the worst things that kind of like was creeping up in my mind constantly was, was this idea good enough? And at the end of the day, you know, like I said, it's more about, I, I'm all about the blue ocean strategy, which is kind of like finding your own place and staying away from the crowds. But you also need to be, <laughs> you need to be in an area where people are already fishing. You know what right. I mean? So that was for me, and that's the advice I kind of always uh, lay on very new entrepreneurs is that, you know, the perfect idea doesn't always come with originality. Sometimes a perfect idea is just improving on uh, something that people are already, you know, using and already purchasing and things like that. So I would just say that, you know, you can always pivot not to use the startup buzzwords and, <laughs> and all those things, but you can always, you're always flexible um, in, in kind of modifying your idea. So the best advice I can give uh, to, you know, to avoid the things that held me back was don't get so caught up on the originality of the idea, focus more on the quality of the idea and what kind of pain points that it solves. <laughs> I love it. No, and as far as the buzzwords like pivot and minimally viable product, <laughs> right. we've had Eric Reese on the show. So we are actually technically allowed to talk all that kind of buzzword. Oh, awesome. <laughs> <laughs> and also, you know, when you're talking about the red ocean, blue ocean strategy, it's very interesting. I've read that book. I truly enjoyed it. And, you know, for me, it's kind of more about finding those bubbles of blue within that red ocean. Like for Entrepreneur on Fire, there are plenty of people out there producing great podcasts and having great content and interviewing really inspiring and successful entrepreneurs. Mm -hmm. But I took a step back and I said, you know, nobody's doing this every single day on a consistent basis with a really interesting format that really allows people to know what they're going to get when they press the play button. So although I was swimming in that red ocean, I found my blue bubble and it sounds like you have too. Right, exactly. So, Greg, what's the best business advice you've ever received? You know, it's funny that you you just mentioned that. We kind of were on the blue ocean topic. Yeah. Um, so, I, two really quick ones. My, my unofficial one is the one that everyone says, but I have to say it too. <laughs> I have to make sure it gets drilled in everyone's brain is read good books. Um, so, books you can consume in a couple of hours, and a lot of times it took the person to write it years of experience to get it down on paper. So that's that's my unofficial one that everyone says, but I have to remind you anyway. <laughs> the other one, um, you know, I've always believed in this, but recently, a Wharton professor Jonah Berger kind of came up with this idea of inner remarkability. So my my official advice for the podcast is always pursue inner remarkability. And some people might say, well, what is it, what exactly does that mean? Uh, and the example that I love that you know Berger gives is that black toilet paper, um, where it's kind of like if you were out with you know, friends and family on a vacation and you went to, you know, a hotel and you guys saw that the toilet paper in your, in your bathroom was black, you'd all be talking about it. Right. Yeah. And yet it's only, it's just toilet paper. It's only doing its job. It's not really being gimmicky. It's just kind of like a weird feature that makes it stand out. And, you know, one of the, one of the examples that I love that I feel like took it to the next level, um, was that kind of viral trend. Will it blend? If you've ever heard of that? Um, so, 
Willet Blend was like, for anybody that's unfamiliar, they would take weird objects like iPads and stuff like that and put them in blenders <laughs> and see if they would blend in these blenders. <laughs> I remember that. <laughs> right? So the thing is, is that, you know, it's it seems weird at first and you're like, well, this is really a gimmick. But in actuality, every blending commercial, every blending advertisement has things being blended because you have to see the durability of the blender, right? Like you have to see if it's going to chop up, you know, whatever you're putting in there, tomatoes or whatever. Um, so will it blend was just like, well, why are we going to be put like fruits and vegetables? You know, our product is so great. Everybody knows it's going to blend that. So let's throw in things that it, it shouldn't be able to blend, but it can anyway. You know what I mean? So that kind of lesson to me, this, this uh, always pursuing inner remarkability, I kind of always poke fun of the Hacker News people. Uh, I don't mean to be so mean, but sometimes they have this belief that great products can win the market with serendipity. And that just isn't true. Um, you have to make the effort to kind of get the word out and inner remarkability of your product, you know, being taking very concise and very deliberate steps to be different is important. Kind of finding your black toilet paper while still building a product that does what it's supposed to do. Wow. Well said. So what's something that's working for you right now, Greg? So the best advice I can give, because like I'm all about content. I'm a content strategy guy and the biggest part of my marketing strategy for you know, this, the software people that I work with is all content stuff. And the thing that, you know, is working for me and one of the most hyped and saturated <laughs> terms right now, content marketing, but what's working for me is to be citable. Um, I, you know, in research papers, and Derek actually holds the same view, and we, we found that, you know, all the best research papers get cited a lot, right? So they're getting cited by other research papers. That's how you know a research paper is respectable, how it, you, know, you know that's it's popular. So on the web, what does it mean to be cited, right? It means to be linked to. Right. So I, I have, you know, my most recent example, my most recent post, rather, the science of productivity. A lot of people had even said, they actually even said this in the comments, which I thought was surprising. They're like, this could have been multiple posts. And I kind of had to read them like twice. I was like, well, what did you mean by that? Was it, because you always want feedback, right? Is it too long? Is it, right. Are you bored? <laughs> but it, it didn't seem like they weren't meaning that. I actually followed up with people and they were just saying that like it provided so much value. It was almost like multiple posts. And I noticed that when people were linking to that article, they were linking for all kinds of reasons, but they were mostly linking for, um, you know, the, the big points that I had made and the fact that the piece was so long and comprehensive. Um, so I kind of, I've kind of like embraced that full force. And instead of putting out individual, like very short kind of um, one topic pieces, I mean, I'll cover one topic, but I cover it like <laughs> it's almost to exhaustion, right? Um, and I found that that's really worked for me in terms of content because when it's long like that and when it covers a topic completely, it becomes very citable. You know, if I, if I write five tips on this or that, it's forgotten tomorrow. But if I write something that people will reference, you know, time and time again, because they don't need to go anywhere else, then that's when you've created something that's citable. No, those are great insights. And just to continue our Derek Halpern love fest, he continues to preach that he grew his social triggers empire off of an average of two and a half posts per month. So this guy was not putting out a ton of content on a daily basis. But when he did put out content, it was must read, must link content that was just getting shared everywhere. And that was much more powerful than 30 small little blips. Very true. Greg, do you have an internet resource like an Evernote that you're just in love with that you can share with Fire Nation? 
So yeah, I, I read a lot and I have to say that although I'm always trying to make sure my sites are very readable and I always appreciate when other sites are very readable, I especially like the design of uh, the signal versus noise blog, although I don't feel like that design converts very well, unfortunately, but they're at a size where they don't care. Uh, but one way to kind of do this for every web page, like say you come across a great article, but the person just doesn't have typography down very much, you can use the tool um, readability. Uh, so it comes in extensions for Chrome and Firefox, I believe. And what essentially it does is it will take the page, no matter what kind of font is on the page, and it will make it a single column, advertisement-free, you know, big, beautiful serif fonts uh, so that you can read it. And like I said, I'll come across like uh, abstracts and sometimes research uh, things that are published online. And I'm looking at this size nine aerial font right. <laughs> that's squished down to like, and I'm like, there's no way I'm going to read 2000 words of that. I'm going to And there's my flashing Google AdSense. It's just yes. really annoying. Exactly. So this is, this is the best way for me for when you come across something that, you know, you really want to dig in deep to, but it, you know, the formatting or something is messed up. Um, so since I read a lot, I can't, I can't live without readability for sure. Wow. Well, this is one of those resources that I'm going to implement immediately. Thanks for that. Definitely. So Greg, you love books and I know we could talk all day about books and I should actually have you back on the show and we should just talk about books. But for today, I just want one recommendation for Fire Nation. So this book, this is like the book that, you know, even academics and, and business people can agree on this one. So this is the one I'm going to go with. The Social Animal uh, by Elliot Aronson. So he has another book um, that I think is probably more familiar with, uh, what people are more familiar with, is that um, uh, the, the title, of course, is going to slip me right now. But his, his books are always about behavioral psychology, social psychology. Uh, and this is kind of like social psychology 101 done right. Like this is the book to kind of like get started with uh, the brainy stuff and how people kind of behave. Uh, the only problem with this book is that it's quite hard to find sometimes. The last time I was on Amazon, they were trying to charge $60 <laughs> wow. to get your hands on it, right? And maybe that speaks to the quality, the popularity, or uh, the supply and demand of, of a book that people are really trying to get their hands on. But I know that for me, that is the place that if you can get your hands on it, that's where you want to start for sure. Perfect. So Greg, this next question's my favorite. It's kind of tricky. So take your time, digest it, then come back at us with an answer. Sure. Imagine you woke up tomorrow morning in a brand new world, identical to earth, but you knew no one. You still have all the experience and knowledge you currently have. Your food and shelter is taken care of, but all you have is a laptop and $500. What would you do in the next seven days? Oh, man. <laughs> That's like a nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> Greg, some people say, man, that is a dream come true. You mean I have really? a clean slate? I have my food and shelter taken care of and I have $500? I love this. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe the challenge aspect would be great. You know, I think of all the things that you you lose there, I feel like the, but you knew, well, you're not knowing anyone is, is the biggest loss for me. Like I said, uh, my, my big aha moment was networking. So right. to lose all that is like, oof. Uh, but for me, you know, I feel like with $500, you need a little more capital. So the first thing I would do, you know, I'm, a, I'm a, like a, a content person, a blogger at heart. So I would say the first thing I would do is get the technical stuff out of the way. So I, I need my AWeber account. And I think the first $100 would have to go to that <laughs> from day one. Um, and also setting up the like personal site and things like that. Um, but I feel like one thing that people might not say that 
Yeah, this would be the first thing that I would look for is I would go for like freelancing and contract gigs like right out of the game. Um, because if I still have the same skills, um, you know, you definitely want to kind of have work coming in first because you don't want to wait too long because then you're in trouble. And when you're in trouble, you know, you can't really plan things out and you can't really take things at a better pace. You're kind of rushing. So the first thing I would do, you know, besides kind of the technical stuff and setting up my own site and setting up a newsletter and all that is that I would pursue, you know, I would pursue the kind of clients that I, I would take on earlier and like sometimes take on today still um, software people because they have money, they have, they're funded a lot of times right. um, and they're willing to pay for good work. And that's why I love the industry that I've been in because you don't have problems with people haggling you down. They, they want great work and they're willing to pay for it. So I would say that the first couple of days would they'd be all about trying to land contract stuff. Um, after that, you know, you you do have to start working on your long term uh, goal there. So I would I would start working on my my new minimum viable audience. Uh, and I, I already have a couple topics in mind. I guess if I had to if I had to get totally blasted off the earth again, but I would I would spend uh, most <laughs> of my time I would probably spend most of my time researching the competition really before I kind of thought about right you know, what I was, what kind of content and stuff I was going to make. Um, as Abe Lincoln would say, uh, if I had six hours to chop down a tree, I'd spend the first four hours sharpening the ax, right? <laughs> <laughs> I, I would spend time sharpening the ax long before, uh, you know, I kind of took action on that end. So for me, it would be a combination of, you know, doing that heavy research for the next big personal venture um, and kind of getting directly into contract work right away. So I had some income coming in for sure. Greg, you've given us some great actionable advice that will be of huge benefit to our listeners on their journey. But give Fire Nation one parting piece of guidance, then share with us how we can connect with you, and then we'll say goodbye. Definitely. So I would say my my best piece of advice. Uh, my best piece of advice is uh, <laughs> it's what I call the M Night Shyamalan strategy. <laughs> so M Night Shyamalan, as you know, his movies are all about twists, right? And we talked about inner remarkability. Um, and my whole thing is that when you're online, when you're building you know business online, to stand out, you need a twist, you know. And for M Night Shyamalan, people got sick of his movies because he kept doing twists over and over. <laughs> you only need to do the twist right one time, right? So you need to really think about before you're launching something, what's my twist gonna be? So for like Sparring Mind, you know, I'm all, I'm all about creative work. Uh, I cover topics like habit building, creativity, productivity, but I put this, you know, psychological spin on it and that is why people remember the site. Like that's what, that's what people link to me for when you look at, you know, my incoming links. It's like, check out this psychology site that da 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 da. So you really need to kind of think about that twist before you kind of launch the, uh, remember M. Night Shyamalan, but remember you only need to do it right one time. <laughs> and for me, if you want to kind of see me in action, putting these things into action, uh, definitely go over to sparringmind.com. Uh, That's kind of where I kind of let loose on all the content strategy that I have, you know, building around my, my psychological interests. Uh, and if you want to see how I kind of work, you know, with software startups, if you're a software person and you want to see how to use content the right way, um, head over to helpscout.net and helpscout.net slash blog. That's where you'll see most of my work. Uh, and that's pretty much it for me. I'm, I'm on social media too. If you're on Twitter, uh, Gregory Ciotti, and uh, it'd be great to talk to you. Well, Greg, we're going to link all this up in the show notes at entrepreneuronfire.com slash Greg Ciotti. 
Thank you for being so generous with your time, your expertise, and your experience. Fire Nation salutes you, and we'll catch you on the flip side. It was great talking. Fire Nation. My first book, Podcast Launch, is now live at Amazon. In this book, I share all and have created a step-by-step process for launching your podcast. The FIRE bonus is 15 video tutorials that I included with the purchase. You join me as I walk us step-by-step through each process visually, and by the end, you will be a podcasting pro. Pick up your copy at podcastlaunch.com. Thank you for joining us at entrepreneuronfire.com. Your daily dose of inspiration. Prepare to ignite.